0: This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: New York city, please go easy on me this
0: is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.
2: Oh, let's do it, baby. Saturday afternoon, New York City, a gorgeous day in the greatest city in the world. Ty Butler going until 6.30. 6.30. This afternoon, in for Gordon Damer. You know the vibes. You know the deal. Hit me on Twitter, Ty D Butler, On Instagram as well, T-Y-D-B-U-T-L-E-R. And we can get it popping on the phone lines at 800-919-3776. On my television screen, the Yankees just took a lead. DJ LeMayhew, solo shot. Gets to that short porch in right field. Yankees were up 1-0, Royals tied it. Yankees went up 2-1, Royals tied it. Now LeMahieu gives them the lead again, bottom of the seventh inning. So they could be on their way to the series victory, second straight win against Kansas City. Oh, man, what an exciting win this would be against a, a team that's won 28 games so far. But we'll talk about it. We'll break it down once it goes final. I didn't love... Garrett Cole coming out of this game in the sixth inning, uh, with, or top of the seventh inning, I should say, with 99 pitches. I mean, what are we doing here? But Yankees in good shape right now. We'll talk about that once it goes final. The Mets at Fenway Park have resumed that game. They were, you know, delayed yesterday before they decided to, you know, send everyone home and and bring them back today for a two ten start. They're up 5-3 over the Red Sox, so we'll keep you posted on that as well. Got to get to the Jets conversation. Aaron Rodgers yesterday made some news on DPHO and Rothenberg. It's making waves, and it has Jet fans like myself feeling really giddy about what the potential uh, of this relationship could uh, morph into, so we'll get into that as well. But I want to start with the Giants. Because something is happening that I don't quite understand, so I'm going to turn to the, the smart people in the audience to help me get to you know where we need to be from a comprehension standpoint. Let's first start with this. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk just put out that the, the top running backs plan a Zoom call on Saturday night. So tonight, what started out as a group text exchange, disgruntled NFL running backs, will meet via Zoom to discuss what they feel is a depressed market. Uh, This will be led by the Chargers running back Austin Eckler. And it looks like the NFL Players Association will be involved in some capacity. I mean, clearly there's an issue. This is something that I can't say I blame the owners for. You know, usually I'm pro player. I am all about these guys getting their money. I never understood how fans and the media members uh, pretty much, for the most part, always took the sides uh, of owners, the billionaires. I'm all about the players getting paid, getting their money. That's where I tend to side most of the time. But in this regard, I understand not paying Saquon Barkley. I get it. It it doesn't make sense, given the, the salary cap ramifications in this sport, to pay big-time money on a position that isn't as valued as much as it used to be, at least as it pertains to having the marquee-level guy filling that position. Yes, you'll still need massive production from your running backs, but five months ago, I just watched the Chiefs win a Super Bowl with a seventh-round pick, Isaiah Pacheco. We are further and further away from the days of Emmitt Smith and Barry Sanders and Jim, uh, Jim Brown. Like, that's not this league anymore. We're we're transitioning to a place, you know, old-timers don't love it, but it's become, it's quarterback or bust. You either have the quarterback or you don't, similar to in the NBA. It's about hitting threes. If you're not hitting threes, you're not going to win a championship. And there is a resentment toward that for – people who have watched these sports their entire lives because it's such a dramatic change but that's the reality which is why you know i'm excited as a jeff finally get the quarterback and now you feel like you have something to roll with as far as saquon is concerned he's done everything right he you you asked him to come in and stay healthy for the entirety of the season and that's what he did He had a career year, about 1,600 yards between rushing and receiving, 10 touchdowns. He was by far the best player on this roster and helped them not just surprisingly get to the playoffs, but on the road win a playoff game. And Saquon deserves a lot of credit for it. But he's learning that as a 26-year-old running back in the NFL, your best days, at least according to the decision makers, are behind you. Which is why he hasn't been paid and he's been franchised. And you know, the post Ryan Dunleavy have reported that the offer was thirteen million dollars annually, that included nineteen and a half million guaranteed. Uh And he was not going to accept anything less than 22 and a half. So, you know, that's what it is. And now as we get closer and closer to Tuesday, the question remains, is he going to show up to camp? It does not look like that's going to be the the case. The bigger point of contention now becomes, does he miss the entirety of the season? Which I can't see happening. I, I just... As, as frustrated as he is, and I understand he's trying to stand firm on his, his stance and his point, which is a very valid one, I just don't see how sitting out an entire season puts you in a more favorable position than just going out there and playing next year and hoping that another team uh, wants you bad enough to trade for you and then give you the big money, or the Giants somehow stumble upon a new philosophy, and they say, you know what, we'll pay you. But uh, to go back to where I started, this idea that the Giants next year could take a step back, it feels like we're just accepting it as fact, and we're not challenging it enough. And I don't quite understand it. If this were a loaded conference like we're watching in the AFC where there's like six, seven teams you could legitimately make a case could come out of the conference, then I'd understand it. I'd understand why we could foresee regression taking place. But the NFC has three teams you feel great about, and then it's wide open. Well, the Eagles were in the Super Bowl last year. They just paid Jalen Hurts. Could have been the MVP. Feel great about them. The Niners, Kyle Shanahan. It's like regardless of who he has as quarterback, all the wizardry on offense, their defense is going to bring it. The the rushing attack, uh, everything that goes into being a phenomenal football team, they've seemed to figure it out even without a a top tier quarterback. The Niners are going to be there, and the Cowboys. I love to make fun of them, just because you know as Stephen A. coined it, they are allergic to success and uh, I'm looking forward to, like, Zach Martin's going through a contract dispute. I can't wait for Dak to throw a bunch of pick sixes next year and Cowboys fans to run to Twitter and complain that it's Zach Martin's contract dispute. Like, that's the reason why it's happening. Because you know those Cowboys fans love to, to make excuses for Dak throwing the ball to the other team one too many times. But neither here nor there. The Cowboys are an excellent regular season team. Once they get to the playoffs, it gets a little shaky. But we know they're going to be there. Outside of that, yeah, there are other teams you can be excited about. The Seahawks, the Lions. But those are the three teams I just know for sure will be there. So why is it that we've just accepted that the Giants are going to take a step back? I really don't get it. Dable is the reigning coach of the year. All I keep hearing on this station is you know, how much everyone loves him. Love Brian Dable. Love Joe Shane. And rightfully so after what we've seen them do turning this organization around. But if you love those guys so much, how are we expecting that they're going to take a step back? You just paid Daniel Jones, rightly or wrongly, like he's an upper echelon quarterback. So you solidified that position. I actually had a Giants fan DM me the other, the other day that, you know, saying, talking about Dak Dak's the third best quarterback in the division. I said, I mean, you must be out your mind. But it clearly means he thinks Jones is second. So in the minds of, I don't want to use this one guy and, you know, paint a broad brush and act like it's a big enough sample size to say that collectively the fan base thinks it. But, you know, if you're not that high on Dak and you think Daniel Jones can be better, there you go. So I just... The equation doesn't make sense to me. I'm falling short. So I need someone out there to explain to me how Dable is one of the best coaches in football. You love what Shane's been able to do. Daniel Jones just got paid like he's an upper echelon quarterback. The Giants really were led by their defense and rushing attack le- uh, last year. You expect their offense to be better because they've added weapons. Paris Campbell, Darren Waller, you'll get Sterling Shepard, Wondell Robinson. Like There, there are a lot of weapons that you know come into this year that make you feel good and more optimistic about uh, this team as opposed to what you were seeing put on display last year when there were a bunch of guys running out there and you're like, wait, who's that? Who, who's that guy? Just signed Cole Beasley. To add to their receiving core, they, they now have 15 receivers on the roster. Running back James Robinson, who just did nothing for the Bets. They've added him to the equation. So I, I'm just falling short. I don't get it. Why have we universally accepted that this team is going to take a step back? I need someone to explain it to me. I need a Giants fan to make me see the other, the other side of this thing. Because if you are as high on your head coach as you are, as high on your GM as you are, have your quarterback solidified. Now, let's throw this in. I don't see Saquon Barkley sitting out the entirety of the year. But maybe that is like the variable in this whole thing. But this was said even before the Saquon news came out. So I need some help from you guys. 800 Hit me on Twitter at Heidi Butler. Oh, we're rolling. We're cooking. We're going to do all kinds of football today. I'm also going to tell you some point in the show why, as a Jet fan, I'm more fearful of the Dolphins than I am of the Bills. We'll play some audio from Jets Kim, Rick DPHO, and Dave Rothenberg. were hanging out there yesterday. Had a blast. The K show will be there on Thursday. We'll do that. Yankees reaction once this game goes final. We got a whole lot cooking.
0: This... The Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. There we go.
2: Harvey Cruz spinning the heat today. Ty Butler going until 630. One of my favorite artists of all time. Aaliyah. That rock the boat still going crazy. I was going to actually give some credit to both Harvey and Joe because I'm used to whenever I'm in studio. I'm working with Harvey. I'm working with Joe. It's like the dynamic duo. You can't have one without the other. But apparently, Joe Leo has prioritized different things today. He leaves early, which I didn't even know you could do that. Back when I was a producer, I wasn't just allowed to leave shifts early. So uh, clearly, we've gotten soft with management. Guys can just walk out mid-shift. So you're, you're good enough to work this morning with Grasso, who had a great show this uh, this morning. With Anita, heard him on Click or Don't Click, didn't give up that airtime. But when I get on the airwaves, he's got something to do, a birthday celebration. He's getting on the train and going to hang out. What's going on here, Harvey? How do you defend this man? Now, he had a dreadful night Thursday because uh, we talked about Funk Flex is on the air. We're pretty much going head-to-head. And I, I go on IG, Flex has married Jo studio. Shout out Funk Flex. He's got Mary J. Blige in studio, and you guys got me nothing. I couldn't get, you know, Beyonce's on tour, Drake's touring right now in New York. We couldn't get him on the program, so y- y'all are just dropping the ball as it is, and then just 48 hours later, he's, he's leaving the show early? I mean, what are we doing here?
3: Not only that, but 48 hours later, we still didn't get you any uh, guest either.
2: Yeah, no guests. Actually, we do. I got a guest today, Connor Rogers, my good friend, is gonna join us at five o'clock to talk some NFL. So I'm looking forward to that. But Joe, I, listen, you learn early. This is not a job. This isn't just your know, nine to five, clock in, clock out. This is a career, bro. If you really want it, you you gotta grind. You ain't gonna get it just you know hopping in and out the studio as as often as you do. Birthday party. You see Harvey hung around. Because Harvey wants it. You got to want it badly enough. And clearly Joe Leo just doesn't have that in him. Doesn't have that fire. Doesn't have that passion. Very disappointing. 800-919-3776. Uh, batting leadoff is Tommy in Connecticut. What's good, Tommy?
0: GDB, what's up, my dude?
2: Yeah, what's up, bro? Uh,
0: we're doing all right. All uh right. Harvey's been spinning the heat all all day. He he was on, like, some heavy metal stuff going on uh, Grass's show this morning.
2: Oh, yeah. we might have to get that heavy metal in the rotation. I'm going to be yeah. honest. I'm not yeah. a big heavy metal guy, but if the audience... Look, I, I play the hits. Whatever the audience wants yeah. to hear, I'll, I'll play the hits.
0: It it got, it got my day going. I'll tell you that much.
2: We could go into that heavy uh, metal bag, man. We'll we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> we'll do that, Tommy.
0: Oh, uh, dude. Uh, so this... Uh, this meeting of the minds with the disgruntled NFL running backs. I, I don't know how much effect it's going to have. And it's, it's the CBA is like so frustrating for these guys. Cause one, most of the guys playing underneath it. Weren't the ones that negotiated it. Cause it, you know, when they do like six years at a time or something like that. Yeah. So I don't know. If, I don't know if they can do like amendments and, and the, and the running backs are just such a small percentage of, you know, of the membership, I, I I mean, I hope they have some decent discussion and maybe make some money releasing it to, like, Barstool or somebody else. But I, I, I'd i just be interested to see. I don't know what you think about that.
2: Yeah, listen, I appreciate the call. You're not going to have an amendment happen. This would need to take place in during the next CBA nego- uh, negotiated, uh, when the next time it's negotiated. But... It is so funny you mentioned that because like these guys keep negotiating bad deals. The franchise tag is a disaster especially for running backs. Now that it is becoming, you know, a a lesser valued position. You have to wait what, 6 years before you can get a big payday? Who is giving that to you? Who who is giving that money to you after 6 years? The the cycle has become draft a running back Run him into the ground for four years, franchise them back-to-back years, and then let him go, and then do the do the cycle again. It it it, it sucks, but it's the reality of, of what's happening, and I can't blame Deems for it because it's the right move. It makes the most sense. Saquon, I feel for him, franchise player, you know, great in the locker room, fan base adores him. Like, he is just everything you want in a guy you would, you would like to have be the face of your organization. It's just the crime is the position he plays. So I can't fault the Giants for that. I really can't. They made the right move. Speaking of making the right move, John Carlos Stanton, two run shot in the bottom of the eighth inning. What a swing! Yankees. Now, add a couple runs. Couple insurance runs, 410 feet that traveled for all my uh, exit velocity people, about a buck seven off the bat. Yankees lead 5-2 over the Royals. so we'll catch the fans leaving the stadium uh, as they are three outs away from getting a series victory. Garrett Cole on him. he's been fantastic this year. Uh, but I wanted to throw that update in there. 800-919-3776. We go to Queens to talk to Anderson. What's up, Anderson?
3: Ty, what's going on? My brother, how you feeling?
2: Yo, I'm chilling, man. God is good. I'm blessed. Heidi favored. Just can't complain. What's going on?
3: There we go. There we go. Yeah, no. A, a couple of things. I was um talking, to, I want to talk about the um, Saquon Barkley, Barkley thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I definitely feel like he should, he should just, he should sign, sign it. Sign the franchise tag. He should sign the contract. And if anything, just you know what I mean, sign it and just you know, oh, I can't play my my hamstring or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Come because on. I felt I felt that they violated for him for him to be the face. You know what I mean? When you think about the Giants, you think of Barkley. You know what I mean? So for him for them to play him like that, I, I know that's the way the league is kind of going as far as the running back is concerned. But I don't know. That's a disgrace for him to have the obviously. You know we've been. By, plagued by injuries and stuff like that, but that's not right. And that, and I also wanted—I never heard you address the uh, situation when I, um, when the uh, what's we call it, what's that, the Michael K. When they, when they was talking about you, did you ever address that? Oh, the morning show. Matter oh, of fact, oh DPH on
2: Rothenburg. Oh, you mean a couple of weeks ago when that cornball called at like six twenty and was, it was trying to come at me. <laughs> I did talk Yo, about that yeah. the other day.
4: Yeah,
5: yeah I mean, come on, got, listen. Uh, I, I, you, you addressed it.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen. How do you have the energy at that time in the morning to call up a radio show to talk about somebody who's one not on the show at all hasn't hasn't been mentioned? And, like, how is that your your way to start your morning? I, I, he was he was such a lame. He was such a corn boy. But it's all good. Yeah, it's and all, they, it, it, and it's, it
3: was just like a pile on. Then everybody just calling out a note. Like people are so follow, so much follows. You know what I'm saying? But just they open the floodgates, You you you've been official. You know what I mean? So you got a stamp over here. You know what you're talking about. You know your sports. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you know, the love, forget Anderson. Forget the haters. Forget the haters. Absolutely.
2: I appreciate the love, bro. Appreciate the love. Yeah, I, I understand that it comes with the territory. Listen, when you are, and let's keep it a buck, when you are uh, a young African-American voice on Sports Talk Radio, it's a deviation from the norm. Folks who have been listening to radio for all these years, decades and decades, are not used to that. So you come here, you pull up thinking you're getting a certain meal that has a certain flavor, and stylistically, it's just not in tune to what you've been accustomed to. So there's an immediate rejection there. And, you know, it, it's, it's cool. It, it comes with the territory. I'm not someone who's ultra sensitive. I'm going to come on here and say what I got to say, talk my talk, and then if you like it, you like it. If you don't, then you could kick rocks. Call up. We could, we could have a conversation. But, I mean, the, the callers who got all personal, it's cool. At six o'clock in the morning to have that on your chest, to have that on your mind, I think makes you a cornball. It's like the highest level of, of lame behavior. But it's it's good, man. You roll with the punches. You can't be sensitive here. You, you're going to come on here and expose yourself to the public eye, uh, on the radio, on social media. You know how I get down the way. I like to entertain and have fun. Uh, you know, troll a couple. See, te- I troll my own team sometimes. So it's not just trolling other fan bases. I'll troll the Jets. I'll troll the Yankees. And uh, when you give me a reason to make fun of you, that's just, that's just what I'm going to do. And there seems to be... A, a lack of an appetite for a certain style, for a certain voice. And sometimes you're going to get some pushback for it. But it's all good, man. I'm still here, ain't I? Bosses of it. Audience shows me a lot of love. I'm still getting shows. So either way, got to deal with it. 800 919 Let's go to Chris in Queens. Wants to weigh in on the Jets. What's up, Queens? Uh, What's up, Queens? What's hey, up, Chris? what's
6: up? How you doing, man? What's going on? Big fan of you, man.
2: We listened to you since you first be on the air, man. And I respect you, man. You know yourself, you, bro. Man. Appreciate the love, man. What's going on?
6: Yeah, no, no problem. I want to talk about the Jets. Um, I like the team they have this year.
2: I love the team they have this year. What, what do you...
6: With a year? with, with this year Aaron Rodgers, I like the team overall.
2: Yeah, of course. What's not to like? You've got a, a top five defense. You've got a Hall of Fame quarterback who comes in with four MVPs and a championship. You've got Absolutely. some weapons on offense. What's not to like?
6: You think we could add, like, a Dalvin Cook trip to the squad?
2: He's a really good one, lo-
6: man.
2: I would love to uh, add Dalvin Cook, and I appreciate the call, Chris, because it affords you the luxury of not having to, you know, rush back Brees Hall. We're all excited about Brees Hall, and for good reason. He was a game-changer last year, and you saw the precipitous drop-off in offensive production once he was hurt in that game against the Broncos. They just became a different team. And then you add in the fact that they got zero quarterback play. It makes it a a tougher hill to climb. Love Brees, love his potential. He burst on the scene. He was electric. It was awesome. But with all of that being said, not you know it's not just about the simple size being small, so we have a lot more that we have to see, and now he's able to deal with more of a workload and especially for a team now that's expected to to be really good, coming off of a significant injury to that extent, you don't want to rush him back, you want to give him time to get acclimated so that he feels a hundred percent. you know he's going to have to clear that mental psychological hurdle of c- returning from that significant injury so you want to you want to build him up. And put him in best position to succeed. And sometimes success comes in the form of diminishing the role just to, you know, allow him to, you know, to to come in and not immediately be overused. You don't want to run him into the ground. So Dalvin Cook gets released by a playoff team, which shows you the nature of running backs in this league. The Vikings are a perennial playoff team. That could win that division again. And they just had a, a, a guy who's rushed for four straight thousand yard seasons, 44 touchdowns in that span, just flat out released him. So if the Jets have an opportunity to bring him on board and he's OK with taking a little bit of a haircut off of his salary, I'm all for it. This is the Ty Butler Show. On 98.7 ESPN. Playing the old school. Playing the hits. Playing the tunes. This is how we rock out on a Saturday. New York City feeling good, man. It's been raining every weekend, so about damn time we got some sunshine. And we're cooking this thing till 6.30. Filling in for Gordon Damon Gordon Damer. Hit me on Twitter at Ty D Butler and on Instagram. eight hundred nine one nine 919 That is the phone line. Uh you can reach us at. Yankees one out away from a 5-2 victory at home over the Royals. Clay Holmes on the mound. And this is one of those series that <laughs> if you lose it, there's nothing else to say. But we'll get into that coming up here. 800 919 Let's go back to the phone lines. Ira in Staten Island. He hears Jets. He has to talk Jets. So we love talking Jets with the big man. What's, what's going on, Ira?
4: What's on TV? What's going on? <clears throat> you know, I tell you. Early look at this team, man, oh, man. This is the most talented roster I've seen in, in, in decades for this, for this organization.
2: And you've and been around. I'm totally and I'm not even saying that yeah. as a shot, like an age shot. I'm saying you, you know this team up and down. You're one of the biggest Jet fans I know. So, you know, to say that means a lot.
4: I mean, it's very early on. But there's really not many holes on this team. I mean, everybody knows you got to see the offensive line gel. Okay, you want to question what the safeties might give you. I get that. Besides that, they're good. And you know what? I can't remember the last time I talked about a Jet team like that.
2: Yeah, the offensive line, though, that's a, that's a big one. We can't just sneeze at it because if, if we know of any team, right, I don't care how good your quarterback is, if you're not giving him time to throw, especially one who is aging and not as mobile as he used to be, coming off of a broken thumb, you're, you you got to give him time. So I, I we'll see what happens with Becton. We'll see what happens at the center position. We'll see what happens at left and right tackle. But, I mean, to your point, there, this this roster is loaded with talent. It's gonna come down to Iran. I know you'll agree with this. Not just the line though, but also coaching. Because at this point, year three, we still have no idea what Robert Sala is, and that's kind of a problem.
4: Well, I get it. I mean, I wouldn't call it a problem yet because I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt because I think he's done a lot of good things with with, with the team, even though the last two years didn't end up where we wanted it to be. He's held them together. They play hard for him. They, they pull a couple of no-shows. I get it. My biggest issue, and I, I think he could grow into it, time will tell, is like uh, week 13 and whoever they're playing – it's like two minutes to go, and he has a big-time decision to make. Is he going to make that the right decision? And I and think once a, he does that... That's
2: big time. Yeah, well, yep, that, that's huge. That, that,
4: that's it. And, you know, when, and, uh, listen, I'm, you know what? I, I don't care whether I'm right or wrong when we get into the playoffs. The same thing. You know, in the fourth quarter, you know, is he going to write, make the right decisions to out-coach, you know, another coach on the other sideline? And, you know, time will tell. Nobody can answer that question because we haven't been there in so many years. But um, I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt, and uh, hopefully he does grow into that position.
2: Yeah, listen, I appreciate the call. I I think you nailed it. The I what I when I say problem, I don't mean he's a problem. I mean to enter year three and and really know nothing about what you're getting from your head coach is the problem. He's 11 and 24 so far through two years, but the excuse is that he hasn't had a quarterback. He coached the defense up well last year, and you can say that through 11 games to be 7-4, and four, despite not having said quarterback, that's tremendous. But I can't remove the six-game losing streak. I can't remove the four-win season in year one. I can't remove the fact that in that year one, they had the league's worst defense, and he's supposed to be a defensive guru. So, yes, we saw changes. We saw improvement. But as you mentioned, you look at this conference, you look at the, the quarterbacks and the coaches you're going up against, I can't have you know trepidation every time it's the final four, Five minutes left in the game just because I feel like you can be thoroughly outcoached and, and we can say in baseball what the hell do managers matter to some degree in the NBA you can get away with having a, an average head coach if you have fantastic players on your roster in football I don't care how good your team is if you've got a negative at the head coaching position from the sidelines you're drawing dead and that is not going to be more, made more evident than this year when, as I mentioned at the top of the show, six teams, six, seven teams, you can make a case for coming out of this conference. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Victor's in New Jersey. What's up, Victor? Thank you, man. Hey, Ty, how you doing? Yeah, Yo, I'm chilling, man. What's going on?
1: Everything's good, man. Just, uh, you know, mad props. Keep doing your thing, young man.
2: Appreciate um, you, Brody.
1: want to talk about the guest real quick if I, if, uh, if I can. Um been a jet fan since 1981 enough said i um, very excited <laughs> about this season there's a lot of yeah you know, i dare to dream um i want to temper myself obviously as a jet fan but i do think uh we have way more positives than ever going into a season uh coaching head coach uh that's what we got there he hasn't really coach in tight situations and we got expectations that are very high this year um, quarterback death, you know, Zach. That, that's an issue. Offensive line, of course. Um, I think the defense is going to be right because of the front. Uh, obviously, having a best uh, quarterback uh, tandem in the league, it's, it's I mean, it can only help. And uh, obviously, uh, we got superstars there. The middle is a little rough, but overall, I'm, I'm I'm very happy, man. As a Jets fan, and I know you're a Jets fan, and all the Jets fans, man. Yo. The feeling is different, Ty, and I'll leave it at it that, is. man. God bless you, brother. All right. Do your thing.
2: Yo, appreciate you, man. Love, love the energy you bring, uh, and, you know, the compliments, of course. As far as the Jets, uh, how could you not feel differently? It's the first time I can ever remember coming into a season where I'm this high because of the quarterback. It felt like every year we get to the offseason, same question. Who's your quarterback? Who's your quarterback? Who's your quarterback? Even this past offseason, that was a, a legitimate question. But for the first time, you come into training camp, and we can't overstate this. We can't overrate it. It's a fact. You come into training camp with legitimacy at that position, cachet, someone who actually knows what he's doing, and the leadership factor, as I mentioned last night, things are going wrong. There's chaos happening in practice. You feel like this guy is going to call people in the carpet and say, hey, 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 this is how it's done. You weren't getting that from Zach Wilson. Because he just, one, was young. Two, just didn't have enough success. Same with Sam Darnold. Ryan Fitzpatrick, a journeyman. What's he saying? So it's just, you finally feel that there is star power there's stability and the news that was made on the show yesterday with DPH and Ronthmerger is like this could legitimately become a championship window if you're a jets fan you the fear was we're going to go through this entire year thinking about this be it he could be one and done all the draft capital and, and we're we're, do, we're we're dancing to this song that eventually is going to end quicker than we would have hoped for But he comes out yesterday and says, you know, you know, basically, why not? If if my body feels good, you know, the the Jets have invested a lot in me. It would be a disservice uh, to just play one year. And he offered uh, the one caveat is riding off into the sunset. And there's not a single Jet fan on this planet with half a brain who would be upset if he decided to retire after winning a Super Bowl. 800-919-3776. 800 Justin is in Tom's River. What's up, Justin?
5: Hey, what's going on, Todd? Thank you for taking my phone call. You know, I think Iroh is spot on. Like, this is the, you know, I'm 35 years old. This is the best, the, the best Jets team, all-around team since 98, in my opinion. You know, the 2010 team was a great team, but they were mostly on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, this team, you got to be excited as a Jet fan. You know, and... I was, to be honest with you, with the Jets pursuing Dalvin Cook, you know, I was concerned for a little while. You know, I met Brees Hall a couple months ago and he said he was going to be ready. With the Jets pursuing Cook, I was concerned maybe Brees would not be ready to start this season. But everything that's come out with him in the last couple days with this, with the hush money and stuff like that, the Jets are definitely not going to go after him. And for me, if I were Joe Douglas, I would definitely be looking for offensive line help. And another linebacker, you know, possibly the Jets can cut Corey Davis and, and some of these cap cuts with some of these guys during camp that going to get cut from other teams. The Jets definitely should be looking to add on the defensive side of the ball. Because for me, the identity for this Jets team, and it's always been for the Jets when they're successful, they run the ball and they play great defense. And now that we have Rodgers, we're going to be able to score points. So they're, the biggest thing for me is defensive side of the ball and getting Brees healthy and coming back confidently.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. Appreciate the call, Justin. And what he's referring to is uh, there was a story that came out that Dalvin Cook made a one million dollar settlement to offer to his ex girlfriend after you know d- domestic violence claims. So there are clearly some red flags there, and you know don't touch this if you are especially a team like the Jets where you know there's so much riding on this year. There are so many expectations. You don't want to come close to something that could just be. Potentially uh, devastating as far as like bad news is concerned. So I understand that, uh, but you know he, they, he has been linked to this team. He he. he it, there was a rumor, and there were actually reports that he, they could have been the front runners, and we all entertained it because not only does it add some production to your running back room from a guy who's a veteran, but it also keeps him away from potential suitors like. The Dolphins, who are you know, could be standing in your way in this division. But, I mean, you make a great point. 800 919 Let's take a quick timeout. The Yankees game just went final. So we'll get back to your phone calls on the Jets and the Giants. We will react to uh, a victory 5-2 at home for the Yankees against the Royals as fans are leaving Yankee Stadium with a series win. Thanks to, you know, some, some big-time home runs from guys who have been struggling, Stanton and LeMahieu. We'll react to that. We'll do it all.
0: This is the Ty
2: Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Ty Butler going into to a Yankees beat the Royals 5-2. We will turn our attention to that game. In a moment here, eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. If you want to react to uh a series win, finally, as the greatest player in NBA history said after the twenty sixteen or what was it, the twenty twelve NBA finals. Said about damn time. That courtesy of one LeBron James. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. George in Lower East Side wants to talk some to NFL. What's up, George?
6: Face, face. What's going on, brother? Um, so listen, man, I heard you talking about the cornballism that uh you had to go through, right? So let's talk about it all across boards. Saquon Barkley, I'm gonna make three quick um points. Saquon Barkley is the face of the Giants, has been brought us to the playoffs with not a strong offensive line. We don't have the best offensive line, and honestly speaking, I'm a diehard Giants fan, just Banking on Daniel Jones's arm or the ability, you know, the inability to run eighty yards without tripping on grass is crazy. So Saquon <laughs> has got us there right now. My thing is, you're talking about the difference of two million dollars. That, honestly speaking, they the, the organization would make that back in, in Barkley jerseys within a weekend, right? So now, what it really boils down to is the fact that the running back position is predominantly controlled and and the best players that come from that position are black players. There aren't too many other nationalities right and I am Latino myself but I'm going to say it as I see it. The truth of the matter is, this whole holdout, the, the holdout and everything that's going on, it seems more racially motivated as the NBA, you know, drafted from high school. Not a lot of uh, European players were getting drafted from high school. So I will say, I think the Saquon situation is going to – it should open up other eyes. The rest of the NFL, everybody included, no matter what the position is, needs to make it known that you need that position. Because truth of the matter is, when you don't have the running back and you treating running backs like this – you're going to change the, the NFL game on a whole different level where, where Daniel Jones is going to get hit on a continuous basis. So you need that running game, right? So to me, Daniel Daniel Jones needs to speak up as a leader of the football team, and he needs to say, I need that player on my team. Because signing other players right now is senseless if you're saying you can't give this man the $2 million that he wants. So that's just well, my listen. take on it.
2: George, listen, you brought it just down. I appreciate that. I appreciate the call. A lot to unpack there. The $2 million, like to say, you know, the Giants will make that back in jersey sales. This is not about revenue. This is about counting against a hard cap in a sport where you have to be very meticulous in building your roster. The, 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 the reality is, as much as we hate it because we're not used to it and it's a, it, it's a progression to a place that before wasn't the case, the running backs are not as important as they used to be. You're prioritizing your left tackle. You're prioritizing your quarterback. You're prioritizing your edge rusher. You're prioritizing your shutdown corner. You, we are seeing that these guys are replaceable, and you would have more fodder for your argument if, again, we didn't just see just five months ago the Chiefs win a Super Bowl with a seventh-round pick at running back. It's what we keep seeing. We saw the, Brady, uh, the, the Bucks with Brady win a Super Bowl, and you could say, well, Leonard Fournette was the fourth overall pick in his draft. But that wasn't the same version of Leonard Fournette uh, that we saw back in Jacksonville. It, it, it's, it's becoming a position that I don't want to call useless. I even struggle calling it devalued because you still need production from that area of your team. It's just that when quarterbacks are making as much money as they are and it's counting against the cap in a hard salary cap sport, It is increasingly difficult to justify paying a 26 year old north of $22 million guaranteed, especially when that is not proven to be, in this day and age, the catalyst for winning games in the playoffs, winning big games. And look, I understand it, and and we can in this market understand it. Because, like, what's the. Anyone who has. Like, reason to pause on, you know, pump the brakes on the Jets winning the Super Bowl. What do they talk about? Aside from the, the same old Jets thing, you look at the landscape of the AFC, and what do you say? Well, you know, there are a lot of teams, like the Chiefs, like the Bengals, you know, like the Chargers, like the Bills. What do all those teams have in common? It's the quarterback. We're not looking at them and doing the scouting report and saying that they, they are where they are in the hierarchy because of their running back position. It's because of who they employ at quarterback. So I understand it's a problem, and I feel, I feel as badly as I can for millionaires, I feel badly for them. Because like you know, you work your whole life to get to this point, and the NFL is pretty much telling you you don't really matter as much anymore. But when you see what the sport has become and what's conducive to winning long term, when you have to pay your quarterback, top dollar, when you have to build your team for years and years of success because it's so hard to win in this league, I I really can't begrudge the Giants. I can't argue with how they've handled this. And it, and what I guess what hurts them perception-wise is that Saquon is so likable. Like if he was a, a jerk or someone no one cared for, then you could just say, Whatever. But because he's so likable, because of the, you know, infectious smile that, you know, everyone just, you know, the, the, every giant fan adores Saquon. And you don't really see that for, for a guy who's been injury play. You, you, you give up on him. But it's the talent. It's the aura. It's the locker room presence. It's how his teammates talk about him. Xavier McKinney uh, went and, and did an interview and said, you know, we, we're not going to hold this against him. Yeah, it's like we understand it's a business. If he if he's going to sit out, then like it it it's unfavorable. <laughs> it's not what we want, but we understand. He wants to get his money and I don't want to come across as if I'm blaming Saquon or if I'm saying he's handling this the wrong way. I will say that if he sits out next season, that's career malpractice. There is no one who should be giving him the advice that sitting out is going to to work in his favor. Not only did we see it with Lev Bell, it just doesn't make sense. How do you get closer to the bag by missing an entire season? You got to capitalize on this momentum. And yeah, you can't get hurt. That's the nature of this sport. But sitting out for an entire year doesn't get you closer to another team paying you. Because it certainly won't ingratiate yourself with the Giants. That relationship is over if you sit out. Would another team come in and do it? I say it's highly unlikely. Coming up next in our number two, we react to the Yankees beating the Royals in the best way we can right here on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.